My aunt. Oh, what an honor this is, boys. <laughs> What's up? Man, you get in, you're in on the back side of this, man. You're seeing all how the sausage is made. Welcome to another off-season episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, and I'm joined with Josh Cox, Scott Medlin. Unfortunately, Jamie Holt has to work. I know. Surprise, folks. Shocker. Surprise. But Josh, I'm going to let you take over. We've got a very special guest on the Section 17 podcast today. Who is it? Well, I'll tell you what. Duke fans know this guy, um, and and it's pretty incredible, actually, because I don't know of another – Strength and conditioning, I'm sorry, associate director of sports performance slash director of football sports performance in the country that um, that their fan base knows better than Duke fans know David Feely. And so we have David Feely with us uh, today. Um, and David, man, thanks for coming on and hanging out with us. I'm, I'm honored to be on here. You guys are great. I watch every one of your episodes. It's 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 awesome. It's a real treat. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, for sure. So you're in the uh, you're in the off season, man. So uh, I know there's really no off season, right? When you're getting these guys ready, right? But uh, what is the what's the typical off season day look like compared to, you know, during during the the heat of battle in the fall? This, this is my in season, so I'll, I'll just I'll just let you know that. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, wake up at three thirty, get to work, start setting up what we have to set up for the day, and get ready for the guys. You want to just make sure that whatever the plan is, it's airtight, so they always. They're always moving. They always, you know, if, if you have a loose plan and there's there's confusion, there there won't be confidence. And, you know, if there's no confidence, they can't move fast and efficiently. So whatever we're planning for the guys, I mean, just out of, out of respect for them and the program and the goals and what Coach Elko wants through his vision. I mean, it, it should be a first class operation. And, you know, that's that's our biggest that's our biggest goal in the morning is making sure that that the ship is run as well as it could possibly be run for every person that runs through the door. So you get workout groups that start anywhere from six or six 45, depending on the day we're done around 1230 every day. And it's, you see every player for about six or seven hours and it's, it is pedal to the metal. I love it. We'll get into some details about that uh, here in a little bit, but um, I guess real quick re rewinding man, Duke fans, I think this is your first like long form interview. Is that right? Since you've been at Duke? Yes, sir. This is the first man. So listen, we're like your first date, man. You know, so, uh, oh, so take us back, like walk us through your upbringing, man. Like I know you grew up in the Northeast. Like what was that like, man? Uh, tell us a little bit about how you were raised and kind of how, how you got from being like a young person and then up to, you know, where you went to college and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up on the Jersey shore. Uh, like eight miles away from the uh, the house. Nice. You know, <laughs> it's exactly like it is on the show. You know, it's kind of, it's pretty true. Um, <laughs> my high school coach I got to play for was uh, Coach Warren Wolf. He was the winningest coach in New Jersey history. But he was seventy five years old when he coached me. Uh, by far the tough, one of the toughest men I've ever met. We thought he was the toughest, scariest, hundred and fifty pound person on planet Earth. Um, <laughs> And we we would lift weights in the morning at Brick Township High School, and uh, I still I still have one of my old workouts. It's pinned up in my garage with my home gym set up. And Donovan Brown was my strength coach when I was growing up. And you know my parents were split, so you know when you when you go into you know athletics, you say I want to help change lives. Like Donovan Brown helped mold me, and you know taught me a very strict line of discipline because uh, I I saw him more than I saw my dad. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and you know, that's just the way it was. And uh, he had a, it, he had a tremendous impact on me and I, I never forgot the lessons and they were very simple lessons that, that he had taught me. And, you know, you, 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 you gain confidence through demonstrated ability and and he he tested you every, every morning. It was, it was as tough as could be. And you always walked up a little straighter by coach Brown. Now you ain't messing around, boy. I'll get you. <laughs> um, but you know, I played, you know, high school sports growing up. Football was like my bread and butter. I went to uh community college first and uh transferred out of there to Plymouth State. It was a four-year school, division three, uh up in New Hampshire. Uh, I played all line guard. I played every position on the O-line within four years. I was a captain my senior year. Uh, I wouldn't have traded that experience for the whole world. And my high school strength experience set me ahead or put me ahead with all the other players that were there. We know we learned how to clean. We learned how to squat. We learned how to just do some really hard, complex movements and push really hard. Like it was, I mean, my, my, again, my high school coach was very successful. So there was a, there was, we were six and four for four straight years. We were the worst four years ever at that school. It was bad. So uh, bad for their standards. So uh, we worked incredibly hard, I thought. And uh, after college, I had ended up working like at a, at a personal training place up in North Jersey and did not like that experience. Um, and then started interning and whatnot. I was a phys ed teacher for one year. And then after being a phys ed teacher, I was a strength coach for, I was helping out strength and conditioning wise with Brick High School. That's where I was teaching at. And then I worked with the women's track and field team with the throwers. That was my first paying job for coach Billy Brunner. And I said, this is what I have to do. So I interned down in South Florida that summer and then got a GA job at UNLV. And from there, I went to FIU as an, uh, and as an assistant and I went to Ball State as a head guy for five years after that. Um, then I went to South Carolina for one year as the, the head assistant strength coach. Went to Temple for two years as the head guy. And now and, the Temple and, uh, year, real quick, was that was that with Matt Rule or was that right after Matt Rule? Right after Matt Rule. So with okay. Jeff Collins. Yep. Yep. Yes, yep. sir. And then uh, right from there, I had met uh, Coach Manny Diaz and we had – we had 16, I think it was 16 total days at Temple together. Um, and he and I kind of hit it off. And then he went down to Miami, called me the night he took the job and offered me the job and went. And now I'm here. Yeah, man. Uh, so you mentioned your strength coach in high school. You say Brown? Donovan uh, Brown. Donovan, Donovan Brown. Brown. And then you mentioned, like, your dad being out of the picture a little bit. Is that kind of what fuels you? Because you seem to have such a rapport with the Duke guys, right, and with the guys – does that fuel you a little bit of like, not only are you investing in these guys physically, but there is that like emotional side, right? That leadership side, that mentorship side that he was able to give you. Does that kind of fuel you? Because you you have fuel on a different level than what most people we interact with. So is that, is that one of the things you think that fuels you? Yeah, I think so. You know, like in a, in a split home, you know, just understanding firsthand that like, you know, you don't get to see, you know, you get to see your dad every other weekend or, or whatnot. And then, you know, who fills that, who fills that gap? Someone will fill that gap. You will learn from somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're just hoping that it's, it's a really good teacher or a good mentor. And, and, and I got very lucky. I, I did. I, I, I had a team of coaches there that were outstanding mentors for me. And um, I, I couldn't have grown up in a better environment of, of just really high expectations, but no, knowing how to, knowing how to love you along the way. And I saw the value in that 
very early. I, I didn't know it at the time, but after being around so many different walks of life and, 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 you know, the, all these, you know, there, there's so many good kids out there and, you know, they, so a lot of them, they don't know, they're not supposed to know. It's your job as a mentor and a coach to show them how to do whatever you want them to do and then how they're supposed to do it. You know, there's one thing of, you know, just doing a job, but it's how you do the job that will, you know, how people will, you know, define you and, you know, a, a man is his work and, and how you do it. So, um, I really think that, you know, part of the, you know, my experience allows me to, to experience this calling, this job, whatever, whatever, you know, this, this career just to help young men. And I, I know what the other end is going to look like as long as I don't mm -hmm. mess it up and provide somewhat of a good plan and, and, and help them with what they specifically need. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You mentioned in passing kind of that you took a year, a GA year at UNLV. I have to ask this and you, you can use all wisdom in answering this question, but what does David Feely in Las Vegas look like? Wow. That's that. <laughs> well, I was a grad assistant, so I didn't have enough money to really experience Vegas. So if okay. you were looking for okay. something good, no, no, I, that, <laughs> no, that, that, that's bad. No. Uh, you, you know what my, uh, my wife and I, we did a lot of sightseeing out there. That, that There you go. That's what we did. Uh, the seven magic, what were the, the, like the colorful stones out there? I went out there and did that one time. It was actually snowing. I guess that was rare. Uh, but I went out to Vegas during COVID. So like no, there was no fun being had in Vegas during that time. So similar to that, I'm assuming, I guess if we all ask ourselves that question in our early to mid twenties, what would we look like in Vegas? We probably don't want to answer it. Right. So uh, anyway, as much as I'm giving you guys, I'll tell you exactly. that right now. <laughs> exactly. Look like, you know, you'll open up as we keep going. <clears throat> just wait, we might come back to that question. I'm just kidding. Um, so you go down to Miami and, um, and then, uh, Mike Elko gets hired, um, you know, at Duke. Um, so walk us through that. What attracted you to Duke? And then more specifically to Mike Elko, did you guys have any sort of a, connection in the past there how did that work and how did you wind up uh basically just coming on board with him as he came to duke well we didn't know each other which which was you know it happens a lot i think in this business but um it was just you know i i knew that i wasn't going to be retained down south so um and literally said okay I, I i talked to some friends in the profession and they said hey listen you should you should get in contact with mike elko he's a, a, a defensive savant He's an extremely hard worker. He's tough. I think you two would get along great. And these are three different people telling me that. So um, just, you know, through through my friend's phone calls and then and I just picked up the phone and and hit uh, just texted him out of the blue. And then he had he had called me with we, we had talked for about 50 minutes on the phone um, and I, it, it seemed like we had hit it off kind of right away. Um, and, you know, it's so funny, like when you when you go to take a job, especially this kind of job, you want to make sure you're the right kind of fit for the head football. Like I, I may not have fit his, his vision, which, you know, to each his own, but I, you know, I, I thought, you know, everything I had put out there and presented, I could be a good servant for him and his program. And, you know, and I, I, I mean, I had firsthand knowledge of Duke, you know, being at uh, Miami for three years and, you know, we had, we had Miami had come here in 2019 and, and walked out of here with an L. So, I knew that there were tough kids here. And then the, the, when we all found out, I mean, it was common knowledge that when, you know, Duke was one of the last teams to come back to start training during like the coat, I said, Oh my gosh, that's the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. Like these guys, they, they've almost got no shot. Like, how do you, how do you get physically prepared for battle? 
at all. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a giant fist fight out there. It's, you know, it's, it's mayhem. And if you're not, if you're not stoning yourself up with weights, what, what are you going to do? So, you know, I, I always, and coach Cutcliffe, he did such a wonderful job here. Like, so, I mean, I was such a fan for so long and I've known coach Durfee, like I, like coach, coach cut, like he did a great job here. And, you know, you know, the potential is there for sure. So uh, when, when the opportunity presented itself, I said, you know what, it's going to be like a blank slate here. You're going to have a bunch of kids that are high achievers. They're going to be goal oriented. And if, you know, as long as coach Elko's like, you know, he, he's, he said it, like, I want, I want heavyweight fighters out there. I want boxers out there. You know, as long as you're fitting his vision, this is, this is going to work. David, really quick. I, I was just curious about this. And it's one thing that kind of caught my attention. We went to ACC media kickoff uh, last year and we were at, talking with Dwayne Carter, Jacob Monk, and they had mentioned that through all the hard work that they had put in before spring ball, there was also times where you guys had fun being, whether it be like a wiffle ball game or uh, the videos that we saw with the WWE entrances to the weight room. How important is it to balance doing all that hard work, but also showing the guys, hey, you work hard, you can play hard as well. And we can have a good time while we're getting bigger, stronger and faster. Yeah, I, you know, I think that as long as there's a little bit of uh, like exhaling at some point mm -hmm. where they're like, all right, we know we're getting worked. We know we're getting worked, but there, there's a certain point of time. And I think, I think it's, it, it goes back to star Wars and Luke, get rid of the deal that like, you just have to know when to hit that button. Yep. And, but there's, there's such an incredible amount of work that has to get done. And, and I'm not one of those team bonders that like to go out for ice cream. Like they need to go through some really hard stuff. They need to, like, they need to go right through the sewer of life just to get to easy street. They need that. But I, you know, I, we don't make a whole lot, you know, we'll have fun. It's, it's, you know, it's not like every week or this or that, but you know, what's more fun than winning. Yep. So, you know, <laughs> like as hard as some things are, you just, you always remind them that like we're fighting for that hug on Saturday night after the game. That's what yeah. we're, that's what we're fighting for. So once in a blue moon, like, yeah, they, they need, they need to have fun. Cause those are the moments They'll, they'll talk about being sore and all those stories will get swapped around. But the one thing is the things that are consistent are those little event days and they'll never forget those. And the, 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 as long as it doesn't pull away from them getting better, I'm all for it. I really am. Can't do enough of it. Hey, can I follow up on that question real fast? Was Dwayne Carter the home run hit leader that he says he was? He's an absolute liar. <laughs> and he just he smiles really nice face. and he puts on he's a stone cold liar that's See? exactly what he did too when we asked that question he had the smile and everything yep. so brian asked that question i had to double check yeah the, the uh you know we know Dwayne carter is a politician at heart so you know he's gonna say whatever needs to be said yeah the moment, I, I can almost so. see him man you know <laughs> I'm, i am the home run king i, I can see all of it <laughs> happening right now in front of me and when you get him back on one day, you can tell oh, yeah. him I said he's a stone cold liar. We will, we will, we will. We we call him out. Like Jalen Calhoun tried to tell us he was the best gamer on the team. So we've asked people around him, like he's good, but he's not the best. So we've we try to hold guys accountable. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Try to hold them accountable. Um, so speaking of all this, and I think it's encompassing, like it seems to us that Coach Elko has given you um a platform within this program. And 
is that common? I guess, okay, because we see you maybe just from like the videos that we see from Brent and Zach and those guys, we see you maybe doing some pregame uh, talks with the guys. Like, is that something that's common um, with someone? You're not a position coach, you know what I'm saying? You're not like a strategic as far as X's and O's on the football field coach for Duke. Is that something uncommon for a head coach to give um, you that kind of platform where you're really talking to those guys and really getting into their heads on game days? For most head coaches, yes. It, it you know, not for not for all of them, but you know, I mean, my job is I, I'm a true extension of Coach Elko and his messaging and his vision. And like that, that's that's my number one day to day is you know, how do how do you be a good servant to the players and to the head football coach's vision? Like that's what you need to do. So mm-hmm. uh, anytime he does that, I it's it, it it's a tremendous amount of responsibility, I feel, um, to get that right. Because you know you can say three words and and flip anything around, um, you know in the the you know those those key times. I think, I think as long as you're reminding the players how hard they've worked and that you love them at the end of the day and you believe in them, which if you come here you'll you will say the same thing if you if you're here long enough with these guys they are something else, um, you know that that's, I don't know that's just kind of how it rolls like that's yeah. you know I'm I'm I'm. I'm able to do it until he doesn't even, you know, doesn't need me to do it a certain way or, or whatever. But, you know, he, he's got the pulse of the team really, really good now. He does. So I'm, I'm lucky to, to help with that. I really well, we talked to a lot of parents and stuff as, and families and, and, and players, but I mean, there's not a conversation. There's not a game weekend that goes by that. We're not talking about something about the team and we'll hear a parent and be like, Hey, it's, I mean, Feely is the secret sauce. And like, I'm, we're not saying it just cause you're on our podcast, even though, we are we are kind of saying it just because you're on a podcast. I'm just kidding. But like they they really the parents and players understand that. And like we've heard things about the way they're being pushed in a good way and things like that. And so I think it's just really cool that um not only are you willing to step into that position and do those things, but that Coach Elko has noticed, recognized it, and empowered you, you know, to to do those things. And so I think that's a really cool thing from an outsider's perspective. It's a really neat thing for us to watch from the outside looking in. Um all right, I'm gonna I, set you. Up. Go ahead, Brian. No, I I, I got to ask this, and I don't know if Josh, you were gonna ask the same thing. It just popped in my mind. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. I guess you could say that we were before the Miami game. Oh and man, my know, next question: What was your favorite win last season? Well, no, 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 no. I'm not setup. asking about that. I'm not. I'm, okay. I'm asking about the other elephant in the room. Did you see the Instagram models cut on Twitter? And how did it make you feel? Were did you take that as a compliment? Did you put a chip on your shoulder that weekend? Obviously, knowing it came from the fan base of Miami, where you were for the last two years, just wanted to know your thoughts because as soon as we saw that, we thought, "Oh man, this is just adding fuel to the fire, motivation for this football team." One of the players showed me, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm, I'm kind of weak at my social media game. I have to admit, <laughs> I, I really. I just retweet stuff and I just kind of like get off my phone quickly. Yeah. If someone DMs me, I'll, I'll find that. But um, it, it didn't bother me. It really didn't. You know, you get messaged so many times, good, bad, or indifferent, that it's just, I, I don't need to hear anybody's opinion. I really don't. They have nothing to do with any of these guys. I tell these guys, like, there's not one dude that's going to predict what we're doing. That's going to be at your wedding or or one of our funerals, there's just, it's not going to be there. Mm-hmm. So I don't give a, I don't care what he says or whoever it is, like, it doesn't matter. And as soon as you get down into that, 
you've got a problem because you're going to become what you listen to and what you read. And you can do that. And then I'll just reinforce it with a different kind of conversation, start laughing it off. And if, if somebody else bothers me for one minute after all the hours of work that these dudes have put in, I'm the wrong guy for this job. I'll tell you right now. So that I don't. That it had to make you feel good at the end of that game, though. All your players, right? All your guys. That was immediately kind of the vibe that were on Instagram, on Twitter, was like the whole Instagram models thing it became a thing, right? Like those guys. And and I felt like for me, it was a way of them like not sticking up for you, but like basically saying like, like this is our guy. And if he makes Instagram models, well, our Instagram models just beat your football players, right? So, you know, I, I, we, we, we loved the player interaction after that game. The I just want to know what the Instagram so model workout is at this point. <laughs> You know, at this point, I'm trying to figure out what it is too. I really, really, I, I have no idea. If it, if it squats and cleans, well, hey, let's get the cameras ready, boys. Let's grab it up. You know, uh, listen, yeah. to it. I love it. Um, we we know that last year too, there were several guys that went through like some pretty obvious body transformation, um, in the off season. So, uh, last year, thinking back to last year, who was your favorite body transformation, uh, from when the time you got there to like season? You are going to pin me to one person. That I am. I've got. I've got. I've got it narrowed down to two that I think you're going to pick. We'll see. Let, let me let me hear what you got first. <laughs> I got either Nikki Dalmon or Graham Barton. Those would be on the high end of the list for sure. There were there were some other guys that had some really good games. Those guys did uh, for sure. Um, you know, it was it was just kind of funny as to what the before and after pictures had looked like, and then showing the players like just overall just and and you know we we ended up with so many guys you look at like john tavis robertson of his his seven and a half weeks in the winter and then you looked at it in the summer and you could have smuggled coconuts between his erectors and his back in the summertime <laughs> they were they, they, and and there were so many great examples of 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 those pictures it's, it's hard to pick out it's hard to pick out who who changed the most but um so rumor has it, this like is that. unofficial. Rumor has it that not only do, not only though did Nikki like add like 20 pounds or something or whatever it was, but like they did like some unofficial speed test and he was in like top five on the roster. That's what I heard. I don't know if that's the truth, but like, I mean, that's pretty incredible to gain, to add weight, but then to also, I mean, we know he's got elite speed anyway, but like to see that still on display was kind of a pretty cool thing to hear about, you know? Yeah, like he he's you know, he's one of the uh the prime examples of when you get here and you apply yourself the way you should with your coachable and you work well with the, with the players here and believe in the cause. Like it, you, you'll gain weight but you'll you'll you're going to get faster. Like we're in the business of winning games. The bigger and faster you are, not the bigger and slower you are, the, the <laughs> you know the the more chances we're going to have to win games, you know, and some of that's new for a lot of guys. They're like, "Oh, I don't want to gain weight. I'm going to I'm going to slow down." You slow down, dude. You're gonna have a new me. You're gonna have a new strength coach. I can't have that. Yeah. You know. What about this? Is there anybody this year? That, to give a little sneak peek, right? Uh, Duke football talk section seventeen podcast exclusive. Is there a player that you're seeing now go through a transformation that, like, when we lay eyes on them in spring or maybe you know in in the summer, we're gonna be like, oh, okay, like that guy's putting in some legitimate work. You know, I think like from, you know, just the guys from last year that had showed up to to this year, you know, I think I think the the last year's freshman class, like, the you know, Jeremiah Hazley's and mm-hmm. and the West Williams is like those guys they'll be it'll be cool when if somebody picks up their old high school pictures and then sees these guys in spring ball, that that's going to be a neat story in and of itself. That'll, those will be cool pictures. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm I'm looking forward to selfishly to seeing a guy like VJ who got playing time, you know, obviously started and played the whole season. But, you know, honestly, you really, as you watched him, you could tell he was a freshman a little bit, you know, in this body type. And, uh, like, it's going to be interesting to see a guy like that over over the four years here in Durham just to see what he really looks like when he's when he's done, you know. That's right. Um, hey, right I was going to say, ahead, Josh, Josh referenced it a minute ago but didn't finish asking the question. And you may not be able to answer it, but what was your favorite win last season? Or was there one? Because there was um, nine that we we enjoyed nine, but was there just one in your mind that was the one? And if you say Miami, you got to give a second one. <laughs> yes, I would. Um, I would. I would say it was the bowl game. I would, and I, I, I say that because the way that these guys went about their business in December, I mean, we had guys pring in the squat bench and clean in December. That's not mm-hmm. a joke. It was the best lifting I had ever seen in the month of December. Um, and I, you know, they, it, it was like the last hump to get over for these guys. Like, you know, they, most of them had never been to a bowl winning it. You know, coach, coach Elko's message was we're going to be military bowl champs. He must've said it 700 times. And there was no, if we do this, like we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We're going to work this hard. We're going to execute. Not that we're going to win. We're never saying we're going to win. It's how we're going to go about our business. And then I had a very, very, very strong feeling on that fourth and one when all 11 hats were in the end zone. There's no way they're going to lose this game. I, I was, I was, I would put a lot of money on that, on that bet if I was on the wheel in Vegas. So, you know, we, that, that was the best for me. I was going to say, we, we made point a point of this as we were there and as soon as the team came out you could tell the business approach they walked out like they knew they were going to take the next 60 minutes they were going to win those 60 minutes and they were going to come out as the champs and obviously if he said it 700 times they listened to it 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 was in their mind and they knew what they had to do to get there and be that champ at the end of the day David, have you had any programs possibly reach out to you for any advice? Because let's be honest, you guys came on to a program that had two years of struggling and turned that around in one season to be military bowl champions, nine wins, not seen since 2018. Have you had anyone reach out for, hey, what are your thoughts on this? What can I do to get my program strength-wise to where you guys were this year? Um, we had a good amount of high, high school uh, strength coaches come through the building throughout the year. I, I, I think it's important to just open your doors up. I had a lot of help getting here. I still have a lot of help while I'm here leaning on, on great mentors. Um, you know, I keep a, a pretty good tight circle of people that I'll call, um, uh, college wise, a couple guys, not, not, not too many, but mostly the high school community, which, you know, you'll tell them anything and then how can they apply it to their programs and, and whatnot. But I just think the, the, the simpler you keep it, the, do simple great. Uh, I think uh, I think that's the way to go. I really do. And Brian mentioned the last the previous two seasons, um, and two and nine, three and nine, and so it wasn't difficult last year to like create the chip on the shoulder, right? I mean, you look on the offensive side of the ball, you're showing Riley Leonard, hey, they're saying you're going to be the 14th best quarterback in the in the league, right? It's it's kind of easy to play that underdog chip on your shoulder role. But now moving into this coming season where, I mean, there's early ACC talk of like people picking Duke as high as like second in the league. 
Uh, I heard one guy say that chip is going to be a little bit different this year. So how do you guys, and I understand these are, these are ACC football players who have dreams of playing the next level and all these things, but how do you keep that chip like fresh, right? As you're kind of moving from being like these really underdog people picking us three wins, four wins to next year, the expectations are higher. And how do you keep the chip on these guys' shoulders? I think the easiest thing to do is to, on an individual basis, if you take each guy and say, if, if you're the same guy, if you can do all the same things that you did last year, we failed. Like they need to enhance. They, they need to get better. They need to understand. And we talk about it. We're very open, very candid in the room that if, if, if you're on the bottom, you got, you got to fight your way up. You've got to scratch and claw. And if you're at the top, you're the CEO of Apple or anything, you are fighting to make your business successful and to keep your job every day. Mm -hmm. Like there's always a fight. There's always a struggle. And I think the best analogy is, is coach Elko. He, he says like, listen, success is a mountain and it never has a peak. It's either you're going up or you're sliding down. And, and our guys are well aware of how fast things can slip down just by the, the recent history of this place. And I don't, I don't think that they want any part of it. I don't, I don't think that there's any real external motivator. It's just that, you know, these guys are very self-motivated. Mm -hmm. This team's great. I, I, these guys are, they're a blessing to be around the way they operate and the way they think. So I don't, I don't, I, we don't see it anything else, but that they just need to know that they've got to improve and they've got to have a tight bond. They have to have those things. And then, yeah. you know, if, if, if we lose that, they know what the result's going to be and they know what the result. Well, the chance of the result of really hard work is going to get them. Yeah. Tasting victory, right. Tasting that, that nine win, tasting that bowl victory, tasting that win against Wake Forest, which low key, we, we, we knew this low key, that Wake Forest win I feel was so huge. And the fact that they were like a really good solid team. And like, we had been on the cusp, right. Of a couple of those pit games and things like that. And it just hadn't happened for us, UNC. And so when you get a taste of that, of that win, man, uh, you're right. That's a great motivator. Speaking of motivating, uh, week one, man, week one is a date with the Clemson Tigers in Wallace Wade, which uh, is going to be a pretty incredible weekend. Labor Day, we had figured out by looking at everyone's schedule about probably about six weeks ago, we had figured out that week one was going to be Clemson unless something had radically changed on someone's schedule. But we didn't know that it was going to be Labor Day. Um, what's the, from now until Labor Day, you're thinking about Clemson, you're talking about bigger, faster, stronger, they're the class of the ACC, let's be honest, and they've earned that over the last several years. Uh, what does Duke have to do to get themselves ready on the field? Because I, I don't think we go into that game anymore thinking that we're going to be completely outclassed in any way. Whereas in the past, Duke football, we would just be like, look, let's go and enjoy watching Clemson play. Uh, this is different this year. So how what, what are you guys looking forward in the strength and conditioning specifically to get prepared for that matchup? I mean, there's always a ton of respect for those guys. And and just, you know, Joey Batson's been the head strength coach there forever. He is a he is a gentleman. He is a, a living legend in the field. I mean, he's just a class act of a person. I mean, just it, it's hard not to love that man and, and admire him and the work he does. But we, you know, it's it, it's game one for us. It's it's we you know, it, we're going to line up. We're going to play 60 minutes. It's going to be it's going to be the same, you know, same 60 minutes on every other clock. We just got to make sure we show up and do our job. We have to and do it the best of our capability. 
And our guys, you know, like any other game, they're going to have to play really hard. That's what they're going to have to do. So that's, yeah, that, that's how we're looking at it. Well, I can tell you this, uh, different than last season when those guys would come out of that tunnel and see sometimes a 50 to 60% full Wallace Wade Stadium. Week one this year, they're going to come out of that tunnel and it's going to be, it's going to be jam packed. And I feel like the energy is going to be on a different level. It's going to be better even than the UNC game last year. In fact, uh, the last time we had an opponent like this come to Durham, well, it wasn't the last time, but we had Bama a few years ago. They actually added bleachers uh, to the ends um, just for the for the number of people. I don't know if that'll be the case this time around, but there's a potential for something like that, even in like, you know, I just feel like these guys that have, that have, have put the time in here, you know, Dwayne and those kind of, kind of guys are going to come out and see an electric stadium week one. And it's going to be, no matter the outcome of that game, it's going to be pretty awesome to put us on the big stage. There's going to be, it's the only college football game that evening. Like it's going to be, it's going to be really good for the program, no matter what. So we're looking forward to it. I can tell you that we're going to be tailgating all day long. So come grab a burger or something, you know, you know, on the, on the, on the devil walk, I'll, I'll, I'll stop by. I'll just, Hey, you know, that's even better. We'll get a good selfie and everything too. It'll be, it'll, it'll be great. Uh, so look, man, just a couple of just, we'll, we'll close up here in a second. So Jersey guy, are you a, uh, are you a New York pizza guy then? Who isn't? Okay. So, so, so what's the best, what's the best pizza in that area? The Farris. Okay. Is that in new, is that in New York or is that a Jersey place? It's in Brooklyn. Okay. All right. So I did, I was just up there and I, I wish I'd have known cause I, I'd, I'd have hit it up, but uh, you call it your boy, man. I'm sorry, man. Friend. No, I'm sorry. No, my real Jersey boy is Elko. I mean, I'm not, I, I, oh. if he would, I'm just, I'm messing with you. Um, but, uh, so wow. we got New York, we got New York pizza. All right. What'd you say the name of the place was? The Farris. The Farris. Okay. All right. And then, so you've already, you've already said Jersey shore. That's close. Uh, number three, were you an NSYNC fan growing up? Absolutely not. But you're aware of NSYNC. <laughs> I know of them, yes. But you got some vibes, man. Chris Kirkpat- Kirkpatrick. Have you, hey. you know who that is? Hey, he's, Josh. He's what? I don't want to get kicked off. No, no, no. Don't, don't, please don't. I don't want to end it early. You I keep mentioning Jersey, Jersey, Jersey. You know where I'm going to go with this. Oh, Lord. Brian wants to know what your favorite Jersey combination is. Combination, the yeah. Duke combination of the Duke uniforms. What's yeah. your favorite, favorite combo that we Duke use? Football combination. Ooh, I like all white, man. Ice, mm. icy white. Yeah, love it. I'm an icy white with the Hellraiser. Yeah, I was gonna say Hellraiser. Have or the the Hellraiser blue D, David. Whatever, whatever strings you have to pull to make the Hellraiser like the standard. <laughs> And then, like, oh, today we're not going to use the Hellraiser. We're going to use the D, right? That's what it needs to be instead of the other way around. Okay. So, I, I know a few people in this building. I'll, I'll you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Well, look, man, I, I just want from our podcast and from our listeners, man, uh, we really appreciate you coming on today. Um, and we're really looking forward to spring practice. Um, and and then, obviously, the spring game, right, April 22nd. Scott, you got one more? Yeah, you know, ahead, you were man. kind of going down, you were going down the music road. Oh, what, is, what is what is what is what is your entrance song, David? What is your entrance song? What if you had to pick one? What Ooh. is the one? What is my entrance song? Wow, that's tough, man. Oh, wow, you're really putting it on. So, am I in New Jersey or am I anywhere in the world? You you are wherever you need to be. Okay, this is David. This is David Feely telling the world his entrance song. Every time you walk into a, a building. What song would play? Yes, yes, exactly. Oh man, I'm, I'm very interested in this answer. 
this is this this is I, I can't. If you made your own WWE video of you walking out and you <laughs> yes. you, you bitching, what what are we listening to? Uh the DMX intro. Oh, that would be the X going to give it to you. That one? No, no. no on, on it's dark and hell is hot. Oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Intro, okay. That first song, you know, Mike right. Tyson came out in the towel. Yep, yep, that yep, one, yep. Like, that was hard. Yep. Now, like, like okay. I had that. I had that CD. The CD. <laughs> CD in my car on repeat <laughs> in high school. No, that, that that's that's what was going on right there. It wasn't in yeah. sync. It was it was it was uh, straight X man. That's but, funny you say that. My first ever speeding ticket in my life. I was that album. I was playing that in the car and I was driving a little bit too fast. I was 16, <laughs> driving a little bit too fast, come around a corner and I got nailed. I remember it like it was yesterday. DMX playing, got pulled over. So, you know, yep. that's what it totally is. worth it. <laughs> it is. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on. We're, we're huge fans. Like I said, looking forward to this year um, as, as Duke plans to improve even on that nine and four record um, and, and see where, see where coach Elko and you guys can take this team. Uh, but, if you haven't already followed us on Twitter, you can follow us at, at Duke FB Talk on Instagram at Duke FB Talk. Uh, head over to DukeFootballTalk.com. We got some things coming your way. We got another interview coming up here in two or three weeks that we'll drop right before spring practice starts. And then, of course, we'll do your spring practice and spring game recap as we did last year. Brian, you ready to take us out of here, man? I guess so, David. As Josh said, thank you for coming on. I know a lot of fans have been asking for this. Thank you for being a good sport with some of these uh, curveball questions we have sent you. But for now, for Josh Cox, for Scott Medlin, for the absent Jamie Holt, producer Justin Sykes, and David Feely, I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I turn the music up!